Chapter 8. The American Influences At the beginning of World War II, most Australians were loyal to England. But by 1942, the fighting of a global war meant even allies had to make hard choices. The British Prime Minister Winston Churchill made it clear that if forced to choose, he would use English troops and equipment to defend England only, rather than helping protect Australia against the Japanese in the Pacific. The Australian Prime Minister John Curtin then called on America for help. In March 1942, General Douglas MacArthur, the Supreme Commander of the Allied Forces in the Southwest Pacific area, arrived in Australia from the Philippines. He travelled by train to Melbourne, where he was met with a large group of federal ministers and senior Defence Force officers, as well as enthusiastic crowds lining the streets. John Curtin quickly established a new link between the government and MacArthur and the war conference, and there were just three members, himself, General MacArthur, and the Secretary of Department of Defence, Frederick Shedden. America responded, and due to the agreement at the war conference, thousands of American troops began arriving in Australia, preparing to fight the Pacific War. Many older Australians who retained the traditional loyalty of England were shocked by this new allegiance. By 1943, there were 250,000 Americans stationed in Melbourne, Sydney and Brisbane, which grew to over one million passing through Australia in total over the duration of the war. Many of these servicemen were billeted out to families or camped out. Australia was mostly used as a training facility for American servicemen before being sent to the Pacific Front, and also as a place for them to rest and convalesce during the war. More than 12,000 Australian women became American war brides. Most of them returned to the USA with their new husbands at the end of the war. Many believe that it wasn't for the Americans Australia would be Japanese-speaking today. Australia still has strong military ties with the USA. Post-war in Australia saw a huge influence from the American culture. America emerged from World War II as the dominant global economic power and is well-placed to export its cultural products to the world, including Australia. It's not surprising given the special bond that developed between the two countries during the war with Japan and our deep gratitude for the American support. Furthermore, America and Australia do share quite a lot of cultural elements in common. Both conquered the land, have indigenous people, had a gold rush, value freedom, are generally outgoing, have a preference for informality, wear their emotions on their sleeves, are ethnically and racially diverse due to long immigrations and speak English as a national language. In addition, on the negative side, due to the abundance of resources and food, both have increasing health problems related to obesity, such as cardiovascular disease, diabetes, osteoarthritis, colorectal cancer, and also high levels of mental health disorders. Obviously, there are differences. Australians are self-deprecating, which ensures people don't get full of themselves, or simply confident, which has given America a business and technological advantage as they invest in their own research and IP to make it commercially profitable. Australia doesn't have a history of importing slaves from Africa, nor have we had a civil war. Voting is compulsory in Australia, but not in America. Australia was conquered to establish a penal colony, unlike America, which was conquered in a quest for religious freedom. The one difference that stands out between Australian and American cultures is gun control. In the American Constitution, people have the right to bear arms, which we don't have in the Australian Constitution. And as a result, we have strict gun laws, whereas America doesn't, which has led to horrendous shootings, even at schools and universities in America. Gun laws in Australia have become even more regulated due to the Port Arthur Massacre in 1996, when a young, lone, mentally disturbed gunman opened fire with two semi-automatic pistols on a shop owners and tourists killing 35 people and injuring 23. The Prime Minister at this time, decisive articulate and persuasive John Howard, 
changed gun laws irrevocably in Australia. He took the gun law proposals developed from the report in 1988's National Committee on Violence and forced the states to adopt them under the National Firearms Agreement. This was necessary because the Australian Constitution does not give the Federal Commonwealth power to enact gun laws. The proposals included a ban on all semi-automatic rifles and all semi-automatic and pump-action shotguns and his tightly restricted system of licensing and ownership controls. Some discussion of measures to allow owners to undertake modifications to reduce the capacity of magazine-fed shotguns, known as crimping, occurred, but Howard refused to permit this. The Howard government then held a series of public meetings to explain proposed changes. In the first meeting, on the advice of his security team, Howard wore a bullet-resistant vest, which was visible under his jacket. Many shooters were critical of this, and they argued that we weren't America, where assassinations of presidents have occurred. Another interesting situation emerged, which Howard responded to quickly and effectively. Some shooters applied to join the Liberal Party of Australia in an attempt to influence the government, but the Liberal Party banned them from membership. A court action by 500 shooters seeking admission to membership eventually failed to the Supreme Court of South Australia. The Howard government introduced the Medicare Levy Amendment Act in 1996 to raise the predicted cost of $500 million through a one-off increase in the Medicare levy as the Australian Constitution prevents the taking of property without just compensation. The gun buyback scheme started on the 1st of October 1996 and concluded on the 30th of September 1997. The buyback purchased and destroyed more than 631,000 firearms, mostly semi-automatic 22 rimfires, semi-automatic shotguns, pump-action shotguns. John Howard certainly demonstrated outstanding leadership during the significant event which stood him in good stead throughout his long tenure as Prime Minister of Australia from March 1996 until December 2007. Coming back to America's influence of Australia since World War II, Australia was well placed to receive American cultural influences, as we are the most affluent than ever before, and communication and transport technology was advancing rapidly, enabling an easier transmission of American products and ideas into Australian society. Suburban life was growing rapidly, which fitted well with the American imports of consumerism and materialism. Everyone wanted white goods, TVs, cars and gadgets. With the introduction of the refrigerator, women's roles changed so they could shop once a week, hence giving women more time to do things. Women started entering the workforce in droves, and if they were stopped or forced to resign due to marriage or children, they fought it and paved the way for equal pay for women, as we know it today in Australia. During the time, Australia also voiced a backlash against the bombardment of American culture. We wanted to make our own products, the Australian way for the Australian lifestyle and environment. One of the great successes was the Australian manufacturing of the Holden car, a car suitable for the harsh Australian environment. There was also a backlash from the Australian public, with the American voice that echoed each evening on our TVs and our lounge rooms around Australia. Between 1956 and 1963, almost all content screened on Australian television was sourced from overseas. Of this, 83% was American, and the rest was in Britain. Although the ABC broadcasts many Australian programs, concerns were voiced during this time about the lack of local content on Australian commercial television. In the late 1960s, the governments imposed a local content quota in order to protect Australian television industry being swamped by American programs. Advertising Australian executive John Singleton changed the face of TV and radio in Australia by tapping into the true blue Australian accent. 
His advertisements were a huge success and Australian advertisements were speaking to Australian consumers. The ABC grew exponentially, as well as producing Australian content at rapid speed. The Australian Children's Television Foundation was established by Bob Hawke's wife Hazel Hawke and Janet Holmes Accord, a philanthropist, to generate Australian film content for Australian children. SBS Television, a TV station dedicated to diversity, has developed into a world-renowned media institution, providing first-class stories that promote diversity in Australia. Australia is blessed with natural beauty and beautiful beaches. One of the other great imports from America was surfing, and given our outdoor lifestyle, great surf and passion for sport, it is not surprising that surfing not only took off in Australia, but developed into a world leader in the sport. There have been many more influences from America, especially in relation to technology and how it has changed the way we live our daily lives.